This morning, I talked about uh, more about the inward witness. I gave some stories. I'll probably allude to them again. Um, sometimes the Lord will let me re-speak something right after teaching it. He won't let me do that this morning. I have to move on. So I do encourage you to listen to this morning. I don't always say that, but this morning there was some. Uh, if you're missing it, if you're missing, we all miss it. But I'm just saying, if you feel like you don't know the voice of the Spirit, listen to this morning. I think it'll help you. Yes. The stories um, I read them because I wanted all the detail to come out. And sometimes when you're telling it, if you don't read it the way the author it was, Dad Hagen uh, tells the story, then you miss some things. And one of the stories was about a gentleman that became a millionaire, and he was in abject poverty when he was a child. He had no shoes till he was 12, and um, Someone asked him, how did you become a millionaire? How did you, how did you get here? And he talked explicitly uh, about how he would go into his prayer closet, he'd miss some meals, and he would wait until he knew he'd spend usually around three days with God. Now, I think sometimes we hear that, but we don't actually hear it. You know, that's not just a, I feel, I feel peace about it. That is a setting aside to ask God definitive answers, because he was a man that was into investments. No one can give you those answers. Yeah. Not even your colleagues can give you those answers. And he didn't miss um, an opportunity to invest and never lost a dime in, I forget how many, I think he said 30 or 40 years. So you might hit it good in one season, even for a decade, but for him to have that kind of track record and to set aside that time, he said he wasn't in a prayer closet 24 hours a day, but he just settled right into it and he would not move until he got his answer. And I think that's where we miss it. We feel peaceful, peaceful about something, we, we weigh the pros and cons, we weigh the risks. Uh, sometimes we're impatient, we just want to get on with it. Uh, but we, don't, we need to stop. We need to stop. We need to let God bubble up on the inside of us, a bearing of witness. We're not looking for his voice. If he speaks, that's great, but we're not looking for that. We're looking for the bearing of witness in our own spirit. And um, if you'll do that, God will make you rich. Uh, yes, I do mean money, but money's just one way of being rich. It's an, it's an amazing way. Makes life very enjoyable. Um, very enjoyable. Can you imagine any project you want to do, anything God tells you, you got the money to just do it. Any life you want to change, you just do it. Anything you want to do for your local church, you just do it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But the life of God is so much bigger than even that. It's life to everything. And, you know, it's like I said this morning, it's like Aaron's rod that budded. If you touch the presence of God, you're going to bear fruit in every area. And, you sh and God wants to get you to the point where your branches are so low to the ground. Someone's got to come and chop those fruit off the branches because you need to yield more. That's, that's where he wants to get us. Amen. That's where he wants to get us. And it's all by being led by the Spirit. Right. But if we go in and we have, you know, we have presupposed ideas or we're in a rush or we want something way too much, we can't hear properly. Yeah. And um, we need to get to the point where we are turning aside with our decisions and we're staying in that uh, time of prayer until God um, helps us and helps us figure it out. I said this this morning as well. Um, recently, I, I felt like I had a witness about something, you know, for about two times I took it to the Lord. But after I felt the bearing of witness or what I perceived it to be, very lightly, I felt bl a blankness afterwards. It's like he didn't speak to me at all. And I don't mean I'm going by my feelings, but... 
If like when we started the church, when he said that, I have felt that continuing witness all the way along. But this thing, uh, it's like I think I hear, and then it's, it flatlines again. I hear nothing. So I don't move yeah. until I know. Amen. So I have to continue to go into the presence of God, not waiting to hear a voice that get me in trouble. And some, some of us get in trouble like that. But I have to go in until that knowing bears witness inside whether it's a yes or a no. And yes, we want to do that with the bigger decisions because there's more fallout if we don't. But we want to start where we are. We want to start um, sense, being sensitive to the Spirit and how He moves with us. So one of the things that the Lord said to me was, this is a season of um, increase. There's increase coming and there's greater revelation spiritually for the church. Uh, he said, but also, he said, when there's a season of increase, he said, the devil will try to come in with counterfeits. <coughs> He will. He'll try to come in with something that looks right. And because you're hearing from the church victory, you're hearing increase by the Spirit, we get excited. We should get excited. That's all part of it. But you, you, it, no matter what is being preached from the pulpit, everything still has to be run by your spirit man. Because God is going to hand out assignments. But when he hands them out, you still have to be led by the Spirit. Because if you're not, you will jump at something thinking, this is the season. This is a season. Pastor said we're going to increase. This is what the Spirit of God is saying. And the devil will come and he'll try to sow tares among the wheat. Yes. And if you're not spiritual or you haven't developed a habit to make sure that you're spending time with God until you know something with the bearing of witness on the inside, that, that go signal or, or the red. We look, I love the red as much as I love the green. Yeah. The red saves me. The green just tells me to go. I can, I can accelerate into it. The red saves me. The red saves me. The red saves me. I love the red just as much as I love the green. Because let me tell you, the red, there's a path for you. If this is the path and you're over here with a good idea, you're not on that path. You're losing time. You could be losing resources. You're hurting your faith because the, the flow won't be there. You have to be on the path and the bearing of witness of the Holy Spirit is keeping you on that path so that your life can bear fruit. Yes. You don't want stops and starts all the time. If that's what's happening, there's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have to develop. You have to develop and not move until you know. Amen. You have to develop. You have to spend time with God, yes. praying, praying in the Holy Ghost. Because he wants to give to you, remember the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1, that you might know the hope of his calling for your life. Yes. The glorious riches of his inheritance in you. Yes. It's in you. Yes. When you break that verse down, he's saying, I'll give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can know exactly what I've put in you. Remember he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. And then he says, I cease not to pray for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God would give unto you a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation that you may know. Your expectancy should be to know. Everything in life is about the more you know, the more you turn aside to God, the more you're going to develop. Uh, that relationship with God and you you will see people will watch your life and even if things come against your life you think wow I don't know if they're gonna I don't know how they're gonna make it out of this one you'll see it turn because they learn how to seek God and we don't want to jump at things because I've jumped at so many things thinking it was God because I had peace well that's mental peace that's mental peace you feel good about it nothing looks out of the ordinary but you need your spirit 
You need the Holy Ghost living inside, housed within your spirit, to bear witness as to what you're supposed to do. And so this is a season, like I said, where if we're not spending time with God and we're not praying and, and we're looking at things and they look good, we're going to miss it. We are. We're gonna, even in a season where God is picking up the pace and God is handing things out and people are becoming aware, the enemy would love to slip you something that looks like God, but it's not. And then you start to lose um, faith in your faith. You start to lose faith in the fact that you can be led by the Spirit. And of course, you should never let the devil get that one over on you. You can learn. You can learn after mistakes. You, you assess, look back, figure out where you, you missed it. Um, and I just said a few minutes ago, if there's a blankness, if you feel like something rises up and you're excited and you think that's God, but then maybe some time passes or it just falls flat again, it's just not there, then you need to make sure that you stay with the Lord until this thing burns bright because we don't want to be making decisions. You know, well, there's no way we're going to be able to figure out the path. That's right. You can't figure it out. Yeah, that's right. You can't figure it out. But he knows it all. Yes, and he wants you to enter in. He'll tell you all of it. He will tell you every part of it. Don't go there. Stay away from that person. No, I don't want you to have that job. Yes, you're going into the ministry. It's your season to serve. No, you're a lay person and I've got, I'm going to put ideas in you and you're going to do this, this, and this. No, you're going too fast. Slow down. Wait. Stop pushing everything. Stay in my presence until I give you that first step. That first step is so important. It's so important. It might look small. It's not small. It's just the first. It's the first. It's very, very important. And so we have to be people that are sober because the enemy would love to kill, steal, and destroy the path that God has for us. He wants to destroy it. He wants to make sure that you don't finish your path. He wants to make sure that you pick the false instead of what looks real. He wants to make sure you pick the brass instead of the gold. Even in church, people react in the flesh, but they should have waited for the spirit. Because the flesh is um, it's repulsive compared to spiritual things. You know, and, and if we're fleshly, then you have a fleshly church. You don't have, you're not going to have the gold of God. You're not going to have... The, his presence show up the way that he wants to show up. You're just not going to have it because you've settled for brass. Remember, doctor would always get, he would get riled and rightly so about the smoke machines and the, you know, I'm not saying you can't go to a concert and it's got, you know, blue smoke. That's fine. It's kind of cool, but, but not in church. There's no place for that in church. You know, I told my sons recently, or maybe within the last year, I said to them, I said, um, there's music that, that can be created. I said, but but when you come into God's sanctuary, I said, it's a different deal. I said, if you're out there and you're a performer, then the more performance skills you have, the better. The more you can hold the attention of your, you know, the people that are coming to your con, the better. But when you come into the Holy of Holies, your job is to kind of disappear. Yes. With great skill, but disappear. And so God wants you to be so skillful that you get out of his way, but that he can, he can just be so proud of the fact that you did your job with all your heart skillfully, right? And so we don't want counterfeits. We want to be a church that prays and prays a lot, not because it always takes a lot of prayer. Not everything takes a lot of prayer. Some things you're going to get answers like that. 
But you have to resolve in your heart, I don't move until he bears witness. I don't move until he bears witness. I'm facing a decision right now, and there's a deadline to it. But I don't move until he bears witness. He knows there's a deadline. If the deadline comes and I don't have the answer, I don't move until I know. But in saying that, it would be wise for me to spend the time praying so that I can know. And God doesn't take a long time to answer. It doesn't, it's not that he takes a long time to answer, but we have to school ourselves so that we're sensitive. And it's like prayer. When you start praying a lot, you know, you're pushing, you're pushing because you want a, a better prayer life. You want to get into more of a flow. The bearing of witness is the same. It's the same in the sense that he doesn't take a long time to speak. So if you've, if you've set aside time and you're used to doing that, he'll speak to you and you'll be able to pick it up. And if he doesn't speak, you know to leave it alone. Yeah, it's like I've said before. Right now, God is not speaking about the building. Funny enough, yeah. in this year of 2020, I feel nothing in my spirit about the building. Nothing. And I know from past experience of, of paying attention not to. I know that he'll speak when he's ready because Lord knows we've prayed it out, Miss Lorraine. So much prayer. So much prayer. But there are seasons when because of his silence, God is letting you know it won't continue to be silence, but it's okay to leave that alone right now. And another thing, you know, I'm watching the, the election in the States and the fight that's going on there right now. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, the time is coming, I said, for us to stand up and fight for Canada. Yes. You know, we're all appalled at what's happening with our politics and stuff like that. We need, a, we need a person that has a platform of righteousness in there. We know that. But whenever I go to pray for Canada, there's, there's nothing. It's like a flat line. I can't, I can't pick it up. I'm not saying that I'm not willing, but every time I check my spirit, it's like, pray. We're praying. Praying lots, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying. But it's almost like it's reserved for a time. I'm not saying everyone is feeling that, but I feel it, and I feel it distinctly. It's like it's, if I had to pray, I feel like it would be really hard to pray. Whereas other things, this fast, praying for picking up the mantle is just like, a, it's so easy to pray. It's just like, yeah, forget the food, whatever, get out of the way. Let's go pray. Let's go drive and pray. Let's go. Like the other morning, I go for walks in the morning. I love to walk and pray. It's, I can't explain it, but I get into a place uh, where I, I ignore, my body is walking, but I ignore the fact that I'm walking. I just can, I'm able to do that. And I go all the time, all the time, daily, I go for my prayer walks and and I got up uh, yesterday morning, got my coat on, got my boots on. It was like 7.30, and, and I, hit, I went outside, and I didn't even make it to the end of my street. I, I, it was like I, was, I couldn't walk. I, I just felt it was distinct. No words were said. I knew it was God, but I'm like, I was like, I cannot walk. I felt like, and I kept hearing, not a voice, but like, turn around and go back to the house. Turn around and go back to the house and get in your van and go for a drive. Don't, uh, turn around. He didn't say don't walk, but I felt, I felt like, I even stopped and said, well, this is unusual. So I turned around and went back to the house, got in the van, turned up the worship music, and had the best hour in prayer just meandering up and down the back roads. Uh, yeah, and I smiled inwardly because I thought, some people wouldn't believe you if you told them that. They think, oh, that's just you or whatever. It wasn't just me. It was so distinct. And that's where you want to be. You want to be aware yeah. yes. of his moods. Yes. 
he's not moody, he never has a bad mood, but he has a particular way that he wants something done. And that's why when you're in prayer, you want to let him take the lead. It's good if you go in with, you, you know, with, and you've got verses that you're meditating on, but it's better if you let him lead you. It's better if you let him take you in. It's better if, you know, you, you set aside time, but just be fluid. Just make sure there's time and let him set it because that is the walk of the spirit. And you, you can't lose if you do that. You lose when you make things rigid. You, you lose when you make things uh, so mental that you can't get into that flow. You can't. I don't know why he didn't want me to walk. I don't know. He lets me walk all the time. I walk all the time and pray and get in special places in prayer. But, but it was distinct. And I'm telling you, it made my day. It made my day that I, could, that I knew what that meant. That I sensed it. I was able to obey it. That's the stuff, that's that, that nurturing of the Holy Spirit. That's the stuff that'll keep you away from the perverse and crooked person when they come in your life and they look like one thing on the outside but inside they're, they're a wolf. That's what'll protect you. You don't need to know everything. And the lovely thing is God's not a busybody. He won't tell you everything. You just leave it with him, but, but he'll protect you. He'll protect you. When we were um, in another nation uh, last year, um, they were, having, they were having prayer, and it was just, I so longed for home, because when we come here and pray, there's a, there's a following the Spirit. There is a following the Spirit. It's not always, we do this, we do this, we sing this, we do that. You know, and that's, can you imagine how God looks down upon the institutions, the church institutions, that have nothing but ritual? Nothing but ritual. There's no water. There's no flow. There's no life. No life. And so this being led by the inward witness is so big because it'll touch everything. It'll touch everything. Everything in your life, he'll be touching and rearranging and stopping and, and bringing something in. And that's why you want to tuck so close to him because he's got your life. If you can learn to switch over from being so mental and all the effort being mental and switch to your spirit... That's why he says in Hebrews, he says, my people labor to enter into that rest. There is such a rest. You stop building your own life. You have to stop building it. And when you stop and he gives you that step or he starts to lead you, you can rest assured that that path will take you to victory every time. It will take you to complete victory. And you don't know everything, but he sure does. He sure does. And he never meant for you to figure it all out. You can't. You can't figure it out. But if you pray in the Holy Ghost, and if a decision comes, you value Him so much that you take the time, that you will not allow your flesh to run ahead. But I want an answer. So do I. I want an answer. I want an answer. I want an answer. He'll give you the answer. But He'll give you the answer as you spend time getting sensitive in His presence. And then you can be sure whatever He says, you can take it to the bank. The bearing of witness. You know, when we were in uh, Guatemala, you know, it, it makes for such a funny story now. You know, the little scooter we rented, and I, I'm out to here with Quinn. I don't know, I'm about, I, when that was happening, I suppose that was probably seven or eight months before Quinn was born, like seven, eight months in my pregnancy. And um, 
we rented a little scooter because my husband has an <laughs> insatiable appetite to explore, honestly. It gets a bit much, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I've said yes, 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 and now I'm starting to say yes, no. <laughs> yes, yes, no, right? But when we were in Guatemala, he rented a little yellow scooter. It was so slow, but the, the roads in Guatemala, funny enough, um, they were, they were what do you call that in Italy, where cobblestone. Yeah. But whoever made these streets, and I say this, I'm not trying to be mean. In, in Italy, your ride is like, da -da 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 -da. in this, it was like bump, 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 bump. It was, it was rounded. <laughs> they weren't pebbles. They were rounded, fleshy stones, okay? So we would bang up and down on the, the, the scooter, and we even asked the doctor if that was okay, you know, because I was out to hear. And so we hated wearing the helmets, so we didn't wear them because there was no cops around to tell us to wear them, so we didn't. It's not very good when I think of it. But anyway, we would ride that the, ro the road to, it's called Eper Pice, H-I-P-E-R, Eper Pice. And uh, it would take us about an hour to ride in. And there was a mountain that you had to go up and then come down. Everything in Guatemala was a mountain. The backyard was a mountain. Everything was, was hilly and mountainous. Very little was flat. And so we would get on the scooter and just, just have a good old time going into town trying to forget the fact that we weren't home and trying to learn Spanish and just, just trying to fill the time. And sometimes I would stay home and so most times I went with them. But every time we passed, the people, the local people, they would stop. They'd be out doing something and they'd stop and they'd, and I know what they thought. <laughs> Stupid gringo, that's what they thought. And they were probably right, but we, we, were, we would check our spirit. Yeah. Even then we would check, we didn't get the big picture right, but we would check our spirit and there was no danger, there was never a hint of danger. And only when we left did a missionary tell us we were on the most dangerous road in all of Middle Central America, all the seven nations. Yeah, we were on the most dangerous road, and the missionary wouldn't let his wife take the big, massive white truck into town with the bulletproof windows, and, and they would decapitate people and throw them off the side of the road. And the thing is, this little scooter would go literally, put, 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 and I said to Greg at one point, I'll get off and walk. <laughs> but because I was out to here, he's like, no, that'll look bad. <laughs> Get off and push. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Get off and push. You really want to be a help? Get off and push. No, but it couldn't take both of us. It just went, like, you could walk. You could walk beside us, Jen. Honestly, you could walk. And I'm not exaggerating. You could walk. So it would slow down to nothing. We'd just crest the hill, and then we were fine. We were moving again. But the Lord kept us, and there was never any sense of danger. There was never any problem, because there was no alarm. And I've found that whenever I'm in danger, the Lord is, oh, I can tell. There's, there's very, it's very easy to tell when I'm in danger. I remember my brother one night, him and I were up um, on Chincuzi, by Chincuzi Park in Branton. And we crossed at the light. The light turned green in the sense of, you know, the walking guy was showing up. We walked across and we were about to end. And it was the entrance going into the park at night. And the hair on the back of our neck, both of us, same type felt. It was like we walked into a wall of fear. And it wasn't our fear. It was like, it was demonic. We walked into a wall of it and we turned around and ran back before the light could change. And I don't know what was in those trees, but something was there waiting. And so um, you need to be led by the Spirit. 
When you feel stuff, alarm, or if it's small, or if it's big, just listen to it. Listen to Him, because He lives in your spirit. He wants you sensitive to Him, Amen. right? And there are times when you'll go, you know, I don't know if this is the Spirit of God. And that's okay, but be cautious and just wait on Him until you know. Yes. Don't plunge ahead. Don't keep going. You need to know His voice or His leading, okay? And Dad Hagen talks about, if, okay, let me say it this way. If you don't take the time to pray and turn aside to what God wants for you and his leadings, you are going, you're setting yourself up to be fleeced. Yes. Because that's what we did. That's what we did when we turned our lives to go towards Peru. We didn't pray until we knew. So what did we do? You put out the, you put out the well, it all seems good. You go through the checklist. Brother Andrews has got a miracle ministry down in Peru, and they want us to come. That's good, right? We're leaving our jobs at that time. That was good. <laughs> That's good. The money all came in without begging or pleading. That's good. Um, everything was good. But it was so wrong. And so we got fleeced. We, didn't have, we, we put out a fleece. We didn't say those words. We didn't say, I knew this, I read this book when I was a kid. No, you don't put out fleeces. The Spirit of God lives in you. Of course not. Of course not. But you are putting out a fleece when you don't take time to go into the prayer closet. And don't let the words prayer closet intimidate you. You can walk, you can drive, you can whatever. But time alone with God if you don't set aside time and learn how to do that so that it's a comfortable part of your life and you get this amazing fruit out of it, you're putting out a fleece. You're saying, uh, I'm not going to spend the time because for what, maybe you're intimidated. Maybe you think I can't really hear. So uh, I just, I just, it looks good to me. Look, God did this. This one called me. That stood up for me. This is perfect. Or, or how many people have fleeced themselves in a new job or a new position? Oh, we'll offer you 50000 more a year. Oh, we've got, you know, a place where you can be and we'll give you the, the company car. And then what do they do? They get fleeced. Because yeah. they take it because they think God is, look, God is so good to me. Look, this is amazing. And they get there and their boss hates them and nothing works out. And it, turns, it goes up in flames. They got fleeced. They didn't say the words. You know, I'm just going to put this out there and... They didn't, they didn't say that, but they didn't take the time to pray. And Dad Hagen tells of a time where he got fleeced. And uh, he took a pastorate. And he said he just could not, he couldn't preach or teach in that place. Even his wife said to him, because he asked, I guess, how he was doing. He'd feel the anointing before the service, get in the pulpit and, and give a talk. And she said, well, you've gotten to the place where you can give a pretty good talk. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. When you're used to ministering under the anointing, something was wrong, right? So he talked about how he had taken it, and it was horrible the whole time they were there. But I want to read to you the way he describes it. It's just a, a couple of um, paragraphs. Okay, let me see. So I put out a fleece, okay? He says, I really knew better. But at the time, it seemed as if it would save me a lot of trouble of praying and getting alone and waiting on God and maybe some fasting just to put out a fleece. Our flesh wants the answer. Yes. Our flesh 
wants to make decisions based on what we can see, what we feel, right? Yeah. But he said he knew better, but he just put the fleece out. So he said, in putting out a fleece, one prays something like this. Lord, if you want me to do this, then you do that. Or God, if you want me to do this, then have that happen. Or Lord, oh, this I've heard a million times. Lord, shut that door if you don't want me to do that. Or open that door if you do. That's a fleece. Because the devil lives in this realm. And remember what I said? He'll give you a decoy. He'll give you a counterfeit. As, and if you haven't experienced much of that in your life, just take it to heart. I've experienced it many times, especially if you're supposed to go one way and it's a strong thing that's supposed to shape your life. It could be the person you're supposed to marry. Ooh, perfect decoy, perfect way to get you off. Nothing better than the wrong person, right? I'm telling you. Or you go, the, you go to the wrong career and God wanted you to go somewhere else. Or you think you're a minister. And that's, no, that's okay. That's noble. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't take the time and God is trying to say, no, you're a funder or no, you're, you're apt to teach. I need you to teach in the local body and, and that pastor needs you because they need you to help develop the people. And I'm going to give you giftings to teach, but you're not called to fivefold. You can spend decades on the wrong trail. Decades. He's masterful at it. And you could have avoided all of it if you would just do what that man did when it was the investment, about the investment. The principle applies to everything. It applies to so much. But we, as much as we want what God has for us, we don't want what's not for us. We don't want that. Or Lord, shut that door and open this door. Some of these doors, so some of those doors the devil might shut and some of them the devil might open. And there are people that don't believe that, but it's a fact. They are in his territory. The Bible calls him the God of this world. Yes. You got a lot of influence here, let me tell you, more than you can imagine. You walk next to people that are demon-possessed often, and you don't even know it. Not all of them are frothing madmen. Some of them are sinister and intellectual. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and they said, that would be like praying, Lord, if you want me to go to Kansas City next week, you open Brother Hagen's front door. I might open it myself. Sure. It sounds silly, but we do this. Yeah. We do do this. He said, I live there. You see, Satan can move in the sense realm and does. God has a much, much, much better way of leading his children than by a hit and miss method such as fleeces. The New Testament does not say as many as are led by fleeces, they are the children of God. Yes, someone might say, but Gideon put out a fleece back in the Old Testament. Why go back under the old covenant? The Holy Ghost lives in us. Amen. Right? We have something so much better. It's for, the old covenant's for spiritually dead people. God, Jesus hadn't come and resurrected yet. We're not spiritually dead. We're alive. We have a different way. Completely different. Thank God. Praise the Lord. You can know. You can know. It is dangerous for New Testament spirit-filled Christians to put out fleeces. Very dangerous. I know that from the word and I know it from experience. This is what he's saying. But we have heard many times throughout the years people say, well, you know, I'm praying if the Lord wants it. No. They're looking to the circumstances to give them their answer. That's not, you don't look outward. You look inward. Not outward. Inward. It'll save you a world of trouble. A world of trouble.
So anyway, he says he got the, he got the pastorate. He moved in, it's the worst time he ever had in his life. The time was over, he left. But then funny enough, God began to deal with him about going back to that place. Begin, now it was the right timing. God doesn't like it, he's so wonderful, but he doesn't like it when we hold things in our hands and we don't let him time it. God had this for him, but he was out of the timing of God. So you can tell that if you're out of the timing, you're still out of the will of God. Still out of the will of God. We got to get the timing right. We've got to follow the Spirit. So they went back, and it was glorious the second time they went back. Right? And, but I love this. As he's, as he's feeling this inner witness to go back, now see if you can see yourself in this. He says, I went and did a, um, um, a fast for three days. God's told him what to do in his, with the bearing of witness. He knows he's supposed to go back. So does his wife. So he calls a fast. <laughs> and he said, I wanted the Lord to move in some spectacular way. He didn't. He just felt it inside and so did his wife. They, were supposed to, they couldn't get away from it. And he said, I wanted some kind of a word, tongues and interpretation or prophecy or God to write up in the sky, go to that place. Mm. Right? Now, I love this. I was on my knees, bawling and squalling and begging because I didn't know any better. Why does he tell us this? So that we can learn. Right? God also leads us by an inward voice as well as by an inward witness. That's the voice of your spirit, okay? And that inward voice, this is the second way God leads us, your conscience. He lives inside your spirit. And that inward voice said, get up from there and quit acting like that. And so I got up, he said. Then I said, Lord, if you would just give me some supernatural sign, I would feel better about this. He said, you have all I'm going to give you. You don't need any supernatural sign. But I love this. I love the way that God said, get up from there and quit acting like that. That's part of being a parent, isn't it? There's just that time when when you know your child knows better. When they first started doing that, you just help them through it or tell, talk to them. But when, when you've had enough as a parent, you're like, you get up from there. <laughs> you know, that's enough of that. Because why? You know your child actually knows better. That's right. And he said he knew better. And, and God wanted to lead him. And so they went back and they had success. So let's talk about the inward voice a little bit. The inward voice of your spirit. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in university and I was driving out from St. John's with my friend Lori Philpot. And uh, Lori was, um, she had, a, I think, a red sports car at the time. And she, she was a good driver, but she liked to drive fast. Let's just say that. And so we were having fun. And uh, things got a little bit careless. And we were rounding this long turn. And as we went around the corner, I heard my spirit say, plead the blood. And it was distinct, but it was not a voice. But I, it, didn't, it wasn't just a bearing of witness. It was, I heard my spirit say, apply the blood. Apply the blood. And I heard it two, about three times. And I, I, I was uneasy because we couldn't see what was coming around the corner. And it was fast. It was fast. So under my breath, I said, I apply the blood. I apply the blood. And Lori took the wheel and just just out of nowhere, just took the wheel, and she, she did it so sharp. It didn't, we weren't in danger, but it was so quickly she pulled into the right lane because she was in the opposing lane, so, which means if something's coming, you're toast. And so as soon as we got back where we were supposed to be, out came 
this massive transport truck roaring by like a freight train. I'm not exaggerating. And we made it. But if, if, if she didn't do that, we would have both been killed. And so um, it just, there was no time. There was just no time. And so I looked at her and I said, oh my goodness, thank God. And she said, she was ashen. And she said, she said, something told me to pull the wheel over. And uh, so it was just one of those moments where we knew God had intervened, you know, and saved our foolish souls. And uh, I thank God for that. My mother, she taught, taught me that, but she was in prayer when I was younger. That's why I'm here today. I wouldn't have made it otherwise. So the inward voice, Romans 9, 1, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. The inward man who is a spirit man has a voice. Does he ever? We call this voice of the inward man conscience. Your spirit has a voice. Your spirit will speak to you. I remember when I lived in Scarborough, where I was living in an apartment with my brother, and um, we had a gentleman come to clean the carpet. It was just an everyday thing. He was a Native American uh, young man and did a great job. And then at the end, we, it was time to pay him. My friend Ian was with me, and I, I looked at him, and I, I can't explain it, but I knew I was supposed to tell him the gospel. And it overwhelms me. I just stood there, and he's supposed to, we're supposed to exchange money. And I'm staring at him, and I'm uncomfortable. But I have this overwhelming, it's my spirit saying, witness to him. And I'm trying to, I get right in my head. How am I going to do that? We go from cleaning carpet to, do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? It was kind of like, there was no segue. It was just, I didn't feel it. I didn't, when he was doing the work, I didn't have it in me to be like, I should have, but I didn't. I wasn't thinking of evangelizing. I'm thinking, is he doing a good job, and I better go get the money. And he's in front of me, and I hear my spirit say, witness to him. And I'm so mental, I won't do it. I'm like, how do I? And he's just, and this is the uncanny thing. It was like he sensed something, and he just stood there. It makes me so sad, even to this day. I never opened my mouth. And I was, as... Newfoundlanders like to say, took to. I, I literally felt like I was, like I couldn't, I didn't know what to say. I was so grieved that I hadn't said it, and I knew that I was supposed to. It wasn't an inkling. My spirit said, witness to him, to the point where I feel like his life was probably in danger. There was something about it that when I think of him today, I put him quickly out of my mind because I disobeyed the Lord. I didn't say a word. I was so busy trying to wrestle the words into my mind as to how to say it that the moment passed. And it was a long moment. It was awkward. That's why I know he sensed it. He just stood there and just looked. And it was almost, it was awkward and kind of uncomfortable. And he just stood there after being paid. He just stood there like he was waiting. <sighs> just blurt it out if you have to. It's just not worth trying to figure out later what you missed what he missed. But as soon as he left, I said, oh God, please forgive me. Please send somebody else. If there's danger for him, please send somebody else. I don't know if the Lord did, but I'm telling you, it was such a powerful moment. But the voice of my spirit, you know when your blood, you can feel your blood in your ears, your heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. boom. That's, that was what I had. It was such a moment. So just do it. Next, I mean, I didn't, 
I have had moments after that where I did. And it's much better to just jump in with both feet. Just, just do it. It'll come out. If it comes out wrong, you got a moment to explain it. Just explain it. But just do it because it's worth it. Right? And your spirit will speak to you. My spirit was speaking to me that day, you know. And um, Dad Hagen tells of a time where he was, well, let me read it. In September 1966, this is 2020, and we're still telling the stories. They're so rich. We moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma from Garland, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. We had lived there 17 years. The move came about like this. My wife and I were in Tulsa on business. You want your steps ordered? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. The ministry was growing, and I had already figured out in my head what I would do with my office and home in Texas to accommodate the growth. You know, the Lord doesn't mind us making plans, but he wants us to know that there's a better way. And that if he says something different, you scrap your plans, right? But a friend with whom we were staying in Tulsa said, Brother Hagen, you ought to move to Tulsa. Brother T.L. Osborne's old office building is for sale. His business manager asked me to sell it for them. Then he quoted their price. It was extremely low. But I was not interested. Finally, he said, let's go look at it. I went just to humor him. I love this. The minute I stood inside that building, a buzzer went off inside of me. Sometimes the inward witness is so real, it can almost sound like an inward buzzer. I knew, as well as I knew my name, this is it. But I didn't want to listen to it. I wanted to stay in Garland, Texas. Our house was like that. There was, a, there was that feeling of like, my insides were lit up. Oh, it was unmistakable. Unmistakable. That's how we got our dog. Funny enough. Craig, we have that dog because Craig prayed, I'm telling you. That man, he overcame my will by prayer. I, he would bring me, I want a dog. I don't want a dog, Craig. I want a dog. I don't, you're going to go to work and I'm going to take him. He's going to do his business out. So I don't want to walk a dog and watch him do his business. I don't want a dog. I like dogs. I don't want the responsibility. I'm a dog liker, not a dog lover. You're the lover, but you're away all day. Right? So year after year he would ask and I would like plead with them. I wouldn't do that. No, you can't have it. But I just would be like, I just don't want a dog. And he would bring me these dogs like, you know, the kind that you have to walk outside for two hours because <laughs> they're like so, so much energy, like the sports dog, you know, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But I know this is going to land on me and I don't want one. So I don't want to hate him <laughs> and the dog and the kids because I don't want the dog. And now I hate you all. Right. So I <laughs> just didn't want it. So finally, it dawned on me, I thought, I am the only cog in the wheel. All the boys wanted one. Craig desperately wanted one. And so he got even to the point where he said, you know, I'll, it doesn't matter what kind of dog, I just want a dog. But I don't want anything with a scrunched up face and nothing small. <laughs> right? So he wanted, you know, long and elegant, I guess. But... But anyway, so I said to the Lord, I don't think it's right that I'm the one doing this. So I'm asking you to give us a dog, Lord, but here's the condition. You got to show me that that's the dog. And I said, it's got to be right for this family. And if you've ever spent a day with the Field family, Sue can, and Jessica, they know. Uh, it would take some dog, honestly, to, to be something to all the members of the family. 
Uh, and so, so Pastor Nancy comes to town. And I've told this, but it just the stories just they're worth listening to because they share the steps sometimes. And so she pulls out her iPad and she goes, oh, 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 Grant got a new dog. And she opens up her, and I'm like, oh, he's got a new dog. And so, and she pulls it up. And when she puts the picture up, it was Frankie, AKA Finky, because no one can say Frankie, at least the little kids couldn't. And she pulls it up. And when she shows it to me, my spirit jumps, not my mind, not because it's Pastor Nancy, although I could do that. That's fine too. She's got great taste, but it wasn't that. My spirit leapt, and I, when I felt it, I turned and looked at Craig, and he, had it, he felt it the same thing. And we looked at each other, and I said, well, that's our dog. Not Finky. <laughs> the type of Finky. <laughs> so, so anyway, Craig even prayed about it. There was someone in northern Ontario that bred them. And then, of course, there was Grant's uh, breeder, who was less than stellar. We found out later. But still, we felt to go and do... Uh, do, do the exchange in California. And so this dog, listen, this dog's not perfect, okay? You, you, God gives you stuff, you still gotta maintain it. There's still stuff you don't like. There's no wings growing out of his back. He's ugly beautiful. Because well, I'm his mother, I'm saying he's beautiful ugly. You know, but, but this, this dog is not nice with strangers. I hate that about him, but I love everything else. And when the door is closed, this dog is a touch monger. He wants to be by your side. He kisses everybody, everybody. He's forgiving, and he's got a load of love to give everybody, and I'm in love with him. And so Craig can talk all he wants about punting him over the fence. It's not going to happen. You know, I keep him coyote safe. <laughs> and now I've got to keep him oasis safe and buy him a little life jacket. <laughs> He's a pain. He's wonderful. I love him. I love him. I love him. I really do. I didn't think I'd get a French bulldog. I don't want the bulldog part. I want the lover part. You know, I want the little lover part. I got that, but Craig likes the bulldog part. But, you know, he's just he, rah, 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 at the door when someone comes, and I don't like that. So anyway, it's not perfect, but it's perfect. And so my husband has a dog, and he laughs at me sometimes because I, I love the dog. I didn't think I had the capacity to love the dog. I thought I would put up with him. But I really do love him, and that's just, it's nothing, but it's everything. It's so small, but it's so big when you think that God cares a hoot about what kind of an animal you would get, right? But he does. It's not fun to... It's not fun to get something and it just not work for your family and then you've got to part with it. And animals grow into your heart in such a way that it's like a little human died when they go. It's bad. So we won't talk about that anymore because I'm going to get sad. Okay, so anyway. All right. So anyway, he says he stood inside this building and a buzzer went off in his spirit, right? And he said, oh, I didn't want to hear it. I don't want to do this, right? He's got to figure it out at home. And he said, back at our friend's home, my wife asked me about the building. And he said, oh, no, I've already got it figured out. We'll stay where we are. We'll turn our whole home into an office, and we'll just stay in Garland. And we went to bed that night, but I couldn't sleep. Right? He said, I couldn't. My conscience was hurting. My conscience is the voice of my spirit. My spirit knows I didn't listen to it. We had a, we had a thing where... I don't know if you've ever encountered this. If you have, please run. Please don't do these things. But when we were first married, we went up to, I don't know if it was Carriage Hills or something, and you win something, and they get you into this high-pressure 
sales. Ooh, some of it, it's, it's, it's wrong. I'm telling you, that is wrong. That is corruption. But anyway, they get you in legally because you agree to it, and it's high-pressure sales from there on in. And so we had stood our ground, knocked it down to, you know, it's 5,000, 4,000, 3,000. You get this many timeshares away, whatever. I can't even remember the details anymore. And the guy was making me mad because he was really arrogant, so I was happy to tell him no. No, right? So <laughs> the deal was fine. It's just that I, I just I didn't feel to do it. So finally... We were so tired that we signed on the dotted line. And I went, I was so mad. I went home and my inner man was so troubled and I knew the Holy Spirit was so displeased with me because he was the one saying, no, I don't want you to lose. You're not going to use it. Did I know I wasn't going to use it? I didn't hear. Mentally, well, no, 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 we can you know, you get five things a year, and no, we can, and we can give it to friends. But I, we got so tired and so worn down that it worked on us. We got rock bottom prices, and it was still a complete failure. We never used it once. I went home that night, and I tossed and turned and tossed and turned, and I felt tortured. I was so mad at myself because I knew that witness not to, and I, I let myself go contrary to that. And Craig said to me, he goes, he said, I feel it too. He said, we made a mistake. We never did use it. There were worse educations to get. I think we paid $1,200 for something we didn't use. It's not the end of the world. But you don't want to pay 100000 You don't want to pay 250000 You don't want to pay half a million. Right? You can do that too. We don't want to do that. We want to. God will work with you. He just doesn't even want you to go through it. He wants you to listen to him. Right. Amen? Amen? So this is what he said. He said, I couldn't sleep. He said, this, I always go to sleep, but this time I couldn't. My conscience was hurting. My conscience is the voice of my spirit. My spirit knows I didn't listen to it. Lying there quietly in the nighttime, I said, Lord, if you want me to move to Tulsa, I will. So he surrendered. In the natural, I don't want to move there, but I wouldn't want to stand in your way. Then on the inside of me, I heard the still small voice, the voice of his spirit, his spirit, his spirit. Because your, your spirit man is born again, yes. right? Now, I'm not talking about the spirit of God speaking. That's number three. That's another chapter, okay? He said, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's more authoritative. It is. Yeah. The still small voice is the voice of your spirit speaking. But our own spirit picks it up from the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That still small voice, that inward voice, not authoritative, just something on the inside of me said, I'm going to give you that building. And this, 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 is, this is the mercy of God. I laughed. I know there's a lot of unbelief about this, but I said, okay, when you do, I'll believe it. <laughs> that inward voice picking up on what the Holy Spirit was saying said, you watch me. Without going into all the details, it would surprise you how God gave us that building. Oh, the Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. He wants us to know. He doesn't want us. See, if there's times when, if we take the attitude, I'm too busy. I don't like the way that feels. It's too quiet in there. If we don't let ourselves overcome that, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a stage of... Fasting. You're overcoming right now things that maybe you wouldn't do. You, we like to eat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
We like to eat. <laughs> That's evident. We like to eat, at least for us. And so once you start overcoming that, you settle down. You're settled now. You know, this is what, the 14th day? It is. So if, it's, if, you're, if you're settled down now when you face tomorrow and you've got your regimen of fasting and how much you're praying, nothing in you really at this point is resisting. Not really. Not like it did the first little bit. Like now you're settled, your body's settled. Your prayer life needs to be like that. This is, we settle into things so that we can get our answers. Right? We settle. We settle into them. And then the friction wears off of it. It becomes an easy place to be. Right? But some people will say, you know, I don't have time for that. You don't have time not to. You don't. The hardest phase of my life was when the kids were small, when they were babies. Oh, every minute seemed so... <sighs> yes, Guggen. Every minute seemed full. I don't care how good your baby is. It's just full. I remember before I had children, I'd look at the little dumpling, you know, sitting in his chair or the little girl, and I'd think, I know what they're saying is true, but how can this fill your day with activity? I mean, they sleep so much, and yeah, for the first three months, and... They poop a lot, too, and cry a lot. Mine did. And so it's just finding that time. But you have, you have to. You'll find time to eat. You have to. You will lose if you don't. You have to. You have to take that attitude. It's actually the attitude with which we approach prayer that either inhibits us or makes us fly right through it. Yeah, that's good. It's true. If you, if you are diligent and you know first things first, It'll get done. It won't matter what the season is. It will not matter. You will get it. I don't want to call prayer like a chore, like you get it done. But you know what I mean. And actually, I found when I was having children and they were small, I I felt depleted. I I can't say that was the time when I was hearing from God the most or that I succeeded fully in that season. I kept trying, but I do a better job of it today if I had to start over. But you, you, you just grow as you go right? I would say to anybody who faces that, they'll make your prayer time the utmost. It's first. Because as, as much as life can get in the way, and as much as we, it's not making excuses for ourselves, but we, we have compassion, especially if we've been through it. We, we, we say, you know, don't be hard on yourself. You're getting through. But you, you have to. You have to have that strength. You have to have what God wants you to have in that season, because there's so much distraction. Don't you find in this season, now isn't that funny? It's a season, a year of distraction, and God has in his own way demanded our attention way more than ever. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, stop that, look at me, look at me, right? He's not said, you know, he's merciful, but he's not allowed us to be distracted. You know, when I was in Jamaica, I don't know how many years ago, it was just Craig and I, so I don't know if it was pre-Quinn, I don't really know. But we did scuba diving lessons. So they take you in the pool. This is Craig, okay? This is Craig. This is Craig's influence. So we're doing scuba, and we have to go to the pool. And, and it's amazing how you have to learn to breathe under the water with your mask on. If you think that would be so natural. You put the mask on, you've got your tank, you put your face down in the water, and you start breathing. It's fine. You have to remind yourself to breathe. I don't know what it is. It just feels... It doesn't feel natural breathing underwater with a mask on. It just doesn't. And so it was the, the pool, it was, it was windy and the pool was murky and cloudy. 
And uh, for whatever reason, I remember our lesson was rushed. I can't remember why, but it was rushed. But we were succeeding. We took it off. You clean it out. You're under the water. You put it back in. You can breathe. And you put, do it under the water. So you're fine. And so, and it's a whole thing. Like, you take your spit and you rub it across your mask so it doesn't fog up. Like, it's a whole deal, okay? So I'm like, okay, well, I'm sure we'll be all right. So we go out. And they, you jump out of the boat and we go 30 feet under. And it wasn't the coral reef, let me tell you. I saw like one fat puffer fish <laughs> just over there and the rest of it was kind of bleak. And anyway, I know that's, it wasn't prime <laughs> diving space, but, but I'm breathing, as I'm breathing in, there's water trickling down the left side of my throat. I'm breathing in water. Well, you can only do that for so long. And I'm trying to take my thing out and put it back in so that I can do it because I'm doing something wrong and I cannot stop. Every time I breathe in, and you know, if you cough, and I'm very aware of how tenuous this situation is, and this trickle of water is going down the left side of my throat. And so I, they teach you that if there's a problem, you look to your instructor and you do this. This is the motion. It's very dramatic. <laughs> All right? <laughs> yeah, it's not this, it's not this, <laughs> it's this, right? So I'm down there and I turn to my instructor and I do this fast because I'm afraid I'm going to cough. And I, I'll never forget it. It remains to me, it's almost like a picture of what the Lord does to us when we're in trouble or when we're needing him, we're seeking him. But they, they dropped everything and he, he came over to me so quickly, but he grabbed me by the face and he put me face to face. I couldn't see anything else, face to face. And he's like this and I'm nodding my head. And then he cleared all the, everybody already got them back and then he took me up slowly so that I wouldn't hurt myself in the acclimating. And I remember years later after this was over, I was, it was um, in 32 Sandway where I used to live and I was getting ready for church in the morning for here. And the Lord said to me, I want you to tell the people that analogy and tell them that no matter where they are, no matter what's going on, that that's a perfect analogy of when you're in trouble and you give me the signal. I will be there and I'll grab your mask and I'll put you face to face and I'm with you. And even though it feels dangerous, I won't let go of you because you've called on me. You've signaled me and I will come to your rescue. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about being led by the Spirit, cultivating a prayer life. So you're never alone. But if you can never hear God or if you're always hearing a false voice or you're going with a false peace because you haven't tapped down into your spirit man yet, you're not going to know the way ahead. You're not going to enjoy your journey. Because there's too many things starting and stopping and being aborted. And you, you're not on solid ground. You've got to be on solid ground, right? And so God is so precious. You know, he'll help us. He'll leave everything and everyone to get in your face. And if, and if you're not distracted and you give him your gaze, he will get you to the top and you will be unscathed. Yes. And I've learned this about the Lord too, Wayne. Honestly, you can make mistakes, but if you were honest in making them, yeah. he, it's like he, he rushes to undo the damage that was done. Yes. Do you understand what I mean? Does it mean that you get out of it without any... Um, okay, no, there are consequences. Uh, for instance, I was saying this morning I did an investment. And I thought it was God. I didn't pray about it. I went with the peace that I had. 
And then God was strangely silent for many years. And I just thought he just wanted me to stand in faith. But it was blank every time I checked it. Every time I checked it, there was nothing there. Whereas, and I compared that to since he told us to start the church, it's never been blank. It's been an ongoing journey. It's sure-footed. You know what I'm saying? And so when we're, when we're learning the voice of the Spirit, when we tuck away with him, that's where that knowing is. Don't trust it if it feels blank on the inside. Don't trust your mind just because everything looks kind of good and, and you think that you know too much time has passed and I need to make a decision. No, Amen. no. We have something better than that. Amen. We have something so much better than that. And as we pursue his presence, well, he speaks to us in all these ways. He speaks to us by the bearing of witness, by our spirit will, uh, will speak to us. Then there's the authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. Now that one. Dad Hagen said, when you hear the authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost, first of all, you're certain. It does not sound like your spirit. It sounds like him. And oftentimes it's to keep you stable in shaky waters. Because sometimes in his mercy, he'll give you that extra. You won't always get it, but sometimes he'll give that to you because the way ahead can be rough sometimes, right? And uh, I've told this story before, but I remember when the Lord spoke to me when I was in Centennial College in Scarborough. I was 22. And I was going to school. And Craig was working at the bank. We weren't married yet. And uh, it was a Saturday, and I went to study with my friend Lucy. And okay, the place is lit up. It's daytime. There's nothing spooky about it. And I get up to go to the bathroom, and I hear footsteps. And it was uh, a young man came and stood beside me and started kind of, he was just being slick. And, uh, and of course, I was, not, I was not having any of it, you know what I mean? Because I don't, I, that's just not who I am. And, um, and so he started to say words, and I could tell this was, this was somebody that was perverse. And I just, the more perverse he got, the, I would just tell him to take a hike. And so when I got down to the bathroom, um, he turned and went right, and I went into the bathroom. And I put my hand on the stall, and when I did, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Oh, is that the water? Is that rain? Ooh. Oh, that's so cozy. Wait till we get home. Wait till we get home. <laughs> so I put my hand on the door, and I heard the voice of God say, Get out of there. And I took my hand off the door, and I don't know, my reaction was so carnal. But I thought, I'm not afraid of that. And I put my hand on the door again, and he, uh, it sounded like a yell. And he said, I said, get out of there now. And I took my hand off the door, and when I came out of the door, this guy was coming with someone that was about six foot two, and they were heading for the bathroom. To this day, I don't know how they didn't see me. I opened the door. They were coming right at me. I turned right. They didn't. They didn't pursue me. They, didn't, they were coming to the bathroom. I saw them with my own eyes. It was like they didn't see me. And I turned right, and I went down and got my friend Lucy and said, Lucy, come on, Lucy, we got to go. She said, why? And I said, I'll tell you later. We got to go. And so when I got out and I went home, well, my husband had been told at the same time, because I remember looking up, because Lucy's like, it's too early. I said, it's 1.30. We got to go. So Craig said, where were you at 1.30? What, happened, what was happening with you at 1.30 today? And my mom said the same thing. Well... I thank God for that, because later on we found out in the newspaper that they were having, um, people were getting assaulted on the campus, and I didn't know it. But, and it felt so safe. Can you imagine? One minute you're, you're fine, and the next minute you're in the devil's den. But God was with me, Amen. and he's with you. Amen. And there's nothing, nothing 
that he won't do to save you, but you've got to listen to his voice. You've got to listen to his promptings. You've got to listen to him when he speaks to you because he knows how to get you safely to the other side. Amen. I remember, and I'll end with this, I woke up one night, I had this horrible dream, um, probably four or five years ago, maybe four years ago, I had this horrible dream that, you know, I'm on a plane and our plane goes down and I feel all the sensations of what it feels like to fall out of the sky and, and, I, and I we're supposed to get on a plane the next morning to go to California. And I woke up and I am like, not happy, this is the bad time for this dream. And so I began to ponder, is this God trying to warn me? <laughs> so I went downstairs and Craig was not having anybody. He said, just, I'm, going, I'm going to bed, I'm tired. I'm like, I just told you, I had this dream. We're about to get on the plane in five or six hours. This is disturbing, what if we're not supposed to get on the plane? He said, no, I checked my spirit, my spirit's fine. I'm going to bed. It made me mad. <laughs> it made me mad. I thought, you can't check your spirit that fast. There's some rules about this or something. And, but I sat there, and of course, I'm trying to be spiritual, so I'm praying in tongues, and I'm sitting there, because I'm going to pick it up in case my wayward husband, <laughs> he missed out, but I'm the spiritual. I'm going to pick it up. No, I'm just kidding. So I, but I prayed in the spirit, and then I heard a laugh on the inside of me. And the Holy Spirit said, I don't speak to you like that. And I thought, Lord, that's so true. Because whenever I've had a dream, if it's from him, when I wake up, even if it's a warning, I know instantly because his presence is there to explain immediately. And he said, that's just the enemy trying to scare you. You go on up and go to bed. And I learned something about how he doesn't. He can be urgent, but he's never, he's not scary. Yeah, he doesn't move us through fear. He moves us. Uh, from our inner man, and even if it's danger, even if it's scary, even if it's something that's threatening us, he, will, he goes from our inner man. He doesn't send us scary, spooky dreams. It's not how God talks to us, and it's important, because as you start to learn how he speaks to you, you're going to want to know what, how he doesn't speak to you, okay? And like I said, that dream was a decoy. The devil didn't want me to get on the plane and go to California. He wanted me to believe that God was speaking to me. I, and I am going to end with this. There was another time when Dr. Dufresne was in the service. And um, no, we were in California and Dr. Dufresne was preaching. And this alarm hit me from all sides. Go home, your children. There's problems with your children. There's danger. But it was hitting me from the outside because when I checked my spirit, my spirit was completely calm. And I said to Craig, I said, I think the enemy's telling me a lie. Check your spirit. Check your spirit to see if there's anything wrong with the kids at home. He checked his spirit. He was at peace. And we stayed. Now, if we didn't know to do that, we'd be on the next flight out. Because what's happening? You're listening to the wrong voice. Okay, but spending time with God, you'll learn. You'll learn how he talks to you. You'll learn what he's saying. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord. It's a rescue. Yes. Oh, but it's so much more than a rescue. It's a way to live. This is how we want to live. Perceiving and knowing and communicating with your spirit, God. Ah, oh, we just praise you. We thank you for the greater life. We thank you for eternal, everlasting life. We thank you because we're with you. We're in the know. We thank you that when perverse and crooked people, Lord, come and try to hoodwink and try to manipulate, Father God, we'll always be above it. 
because we have your witness, Lord. We can't be lied to because you can't be lied to. And Father, if we take the time to listen, we can live so safe, so successful, Father. I thank you, Lord, for those that are wanting answers that are sitting here, Lord God. I would suspect most of us do in certain areas. Lord, I pray that they would be patient in one sense of ambition and needing the answer, Lord, that they would also pursue you in your presence. And in your presence, Lord, they would quiet their mind until there's a bearing of witness in which way to go and what to do. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We're going to do what you said, Lord. We're going to become so acquainted with you, Holy Ghost. We love you. And there's nothing like you in all the earth. You're the great fire of God, and you lead the way, and we're so grateful. But we can mostly show that we're grateful by listening to you. So we endeavor, Lord, as we get up out of this place to listen to your leadings, to listen to your promptings, to listen when you say no and when you restrain. Because you're good to us and you'll never lead us the wrong way ever. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Ghost, and we thank you, Father, in your mighty name. Amen.